Well, hello, everybody. This is um, your podcast pastor, your podcast um, Christian counselor, therapist, coach, whatever you want to call it. Welcome back to 365 God Podcast with yours truly, Dr. B, Pastor Catherine, Pastor C, however you know me. I wanted to talk about, um, this episode is entitled, um, attack panic. Um, (laughs) I've had panic attacks over the years. And so when the pandemic came on, I realized that these panic attacks started to resurface. There were a number of years that I really did not, um, see the panic attack so much. I didn't see them happening so much in my life, but a couple of years ago, I was having panic attacks so bad that I started to um, lose sleep, staying up throughout the night because usually um, panic attacks were happening to me at night and I was not very versed in what was happening to me or what had happened to me to realize why they were happening mainly for me at that time. So um, I didn't even do the proper research um, if, if if you would say that to to figure it out. And what I mean by that, maybe I should say that differently. What I mean by that is that I was looking outside of myself and articles and other people's stories to see what was happening to me when in essence, I needed to be looking uh, at myself, looking at my life as it had been, as it is, and as I wanted it to be to seriously understand what was happening with these panic attacks. So what I started doing is something personal um, here recently in the last couple of months. I started saying, you know what, I'm going to attack this thing that is trying to attack me. So February 17th, 2021, I had a major panic attack. When I tell you it was major, it was um, off the Richter scale of if you want to say that, of panic attacks. Like I came back into the cycle of not wanting to sleep, um, concerned about the nighttime, what was going to be happening to me, just all kinds of things. And so um, I'd had a procedure, a medical procedure. So I didn't know how much of that was related to that. I was anemic, severely anemic. And so I had to do what I call um, sorting spaghetti. It's one of the therapeutic, therapeutic things that I do with a lot of, um, counselees or clients. Sometimes I call it untangling things in our lives, taking the necklace apart. Have you ever seen when things kind of get webbed together? Like, um, you've thrown your jewelry in like this box or something. And so your bracelets and your necklaces are all entangled with one another. It takes a lot of time, right? To get them apart. And so sometimes that's just how we're dealing with the web of deception that is brought on often by um, panic attacks. Panic attacks can make you think there is a web of deception just as much as there is uh, a reality. And I want to talk about that a little bit later on in the podcast today. But right now I want to talk about how that web of deception is, you know, um, you know, we look at the web of deception, like I'm going to die, I'm not going to make it. And usually some, um, some terrible thing is being rehearsed to us as we're having panic attacks for some of us, right? So 
we have to um, debunk the myth of whatever that's associated with the panic attack. And we have to understand that whatever it is that is speaking to us in that moment is not real. Because there are some things that come into the mind that are just simply not real. Like, I'm going to die right now. Nobody's going to hear me. And I'm just not going to make it. All these negative talks that come into the panic attack. You have to continue to talk yourself and talk to yourself and talk to yourself through that. Which is a difficult thing to do in the midst of a panic attack, right? Um Back to my February 2021 story, I had a medical procedure, so I did not know how much of what was happening to me physically for real versus what was the panic attack. So I did have to see my physician just to kind of sort things out. And thankfully, um, she agreed that um, that much, much of this was um, exactly what I thought. And so we came to agreement about what we thought was going on and um, started to come up with some plans, of course, for the 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 medical issue that was happening, um, the, you know, and the symptoms that were associated with that versus what's really happening mentally. So that really sparked me to talk about this a little bit more. Of course, I'd embodied a lot of it and put it into practice for myself, but what had I done to help other people with this? And so I want to help other people to understand what you can do when these things are happening to you. Because the thing about panic attacks is that sometimes we think there's this magic wand that we can just shake and we're looking for the potion that goes along with that magic wand to get us to never have another panic attack in our life. But that's just not how it works. You know, it's working yourself through a process and understanding what is happening to you, what had happened to you and what you want to happen to you in your future. And so sorting those things out is very important. And when I'm sorting, I had to figure out what is really physical for me? The anemia, the ringing in my ears when I lay down at night, the humming that is so loud in my ears. Those things kind of play out with both my mental, emotional side of a panic attack and the physical side of a panic attack. So when my heart is beating really fast, is it because my blood is literally physiologically trying to pump um, pump blood to, it's trying to reach my organ systems? Is this because of the anemia that I have? Or is this because I'm in a fight or flight response because something has happened? Somebody turned a light switch on too fast and it has sent me back into some traumatic experience from my childhood. What is going on here? So being able to know that is so important. So I want to share with you some things. I was awaking in the middle of the night by an argument. My father had pretty much always been gentle in speech but could, you know, elevate his voice whenever he was very passionate about something. And I just remember one night as a child being awakened in the middle of the night because my mom had stayed up too late and my dad wanted her to come to bed. And so apparently my father had gotten up to go to the bathroom or, you know, he was awakened from his sleep only to find that my mother wasn't in bed. So um, he said something to her and apparently it escalated into an argument and I was awakened by it. And um, a very passionate conversation was going on between my parents that woke me up in the middle of the night. And my February 17th, 2021 
a panic attack. I had to figure out what had happened to me. Why did I have this panic attack after having gone to sleep? And as I prayed about it and as I researched and as I started to research by looking within, and I think that's the research I talked about earlier earlier in the podcast that we don't do. We tend to do what I call external versus internal research. So I started to research within me. I started to research me. And I know that's like kind of crazy sounding, but it's something that you must be willing to do is to do the research within just as much as you are doing research without um, or externally, I should say. So I figured out that it went back to this moment. And um, I remember I had the same exact feelings as I did with as a child with those same feelings. And so I had to work through that because here it is uh, over 30 years later, <laughs> maybe, maybe um, a little bit over 30 years later, I'm having a panic attack that is associated in with, with, you know, with that moment. Now, there's a lot of things that a lot of work that has to be done from there, because then, you know, I have a father who's deceased, right? So I can't go to him and say, hey, your argument or you sparking that conversation in the middle of the night has me messed up, has me with some post-traumatic syndrome or anything like that, distress syndrome. But, um, so how do I work through that? So that's another another thing that you want, uh, another element, being able to work through things when some of the people for with whom you may want to work them out are no longer there. Being able to do that is so important. So I had to sit there and figure out what caused him to do this. Where was he in his mind? What was his intent? Not how did I take it, but you have to do a lot of sorting and then deal with how did I take it? Why did I take it that way? Uh, Looking at that person's intent and looking at how you perceived it is so important. Um, Did I feel like my mother was violated? How has that, um, how has that, you know, affected me and my relationships and my conversations and how I do things? So, just learn a lot. I learned a lot about myself and, and from that panic attack and, you know, realized that the fear that I had of going to sleep at night sounds and um, what I needed to do to overcome those things so that I didn't find myself back on the side of my bed with voices telling me, you're not going to make it. This is it. You know, um, put your shoes on and run for your life or, you know, not able to get out of my room fast enough to run down the hallway. And, you know, there's a there's a conflict that goes on in the midst of a panic, panic attack like that. You have the conflict of, okay, stay right here, calm down, it's going to be all right, versus no, run for your life and run now. So your body is in this... Um, contemplative, this is the best way that I know how to say it, but your body's in a contemplative state uh, where it's contemplating running, but it's in conflict with that because it's also contemplating um, staying in the same place and calming down. So it's a very start, it's like driving a car, the best I can explain it. So um, my grandfather was a mechanic um, and when he would drive a car that was wanting to um, stall on him, he was super about driving the car with two feet. So 
when a car wants to stall on you, you want to drive it and not have to stop at a red light or a stop sign. You want to just get where you need to go and hopefully get there. And if it stalls, it stalls, right? But um, my grandfather would always drive these cars with two feet and you'd see him at a red light or you'd see him at a stop sign with his foot on the gas and his foot on the brake at the same time, um, keeping the car revved up but not letting it stall, right? So that's kind of what your body's like when you're in the midst of some of these panic attacks that we can certainly have. And so it's important to be able to know what should I be doing in that moment? And was it something that I should have um, been, you know, did I feel like running when I was a kid and this thing happened to me? Should I have, you know, there are some things that happened that were so traumatic that we wish we would have ran, but we did not run for our lives. So why did I stay there? Sometimes it's not the physical aspect of running. It's just having stayed in an abusive situation for so long. Um, for some people who are going through panic attacks that are related to abuse. Why did I stay there? Why didn't I just run for my life? And so now something just kicks you up, sparks you, triggers you that maybe I should take off and run. But in that moment, it's not that space that you need to run from. So how do we put our physical um, selves into these spots through exercise and making exercise a way that we can say, you know what, I'm going to exercise today and I'm going to run and I'm going to envision myself as a kid running out of that situation. And I'm going to sit here and I'm going to, um, envision myself victorious, you know, even if you have to, um, imagine why you're exercising some sort of breakthrough that's happening for you. You know, um, taking your whole self. I tell people um, in therapy, I tell clients, those folks who I'm coaching, I tell them all the time, if a matter as such comes about in our conversation, at the moment that trauma is happening, your whole self is involved in the trauma. You don't have part of yourself that you left um, at work or at the classroom, all of yourself is present for the trauma. And so all of yourself should be present for the healing. What do I mean by that? I mean that ourselves spiritually, physically, financially, even, and emotionally, what do you mean financially? Some Sometimes some of us, we spend or we have some kind of financial thirst that we're trying to feel because of some trauma, maybe that included us being impoverished or something being taken away from us, ripped away from our lives early on. And so we are on this pathway of overspending. Some of us become hoarders. Um, so our whole selves must show up for the healing. So uh, what I do is I invite my entire self when I'm having moments where I'm sitting in situations and I'm looking at a February 17th, 2021 situation where I had a panic attack, right? I give an invitation to my spiritual self. A lot of times we are inviting our spiritual selves and leaving our our other selves, if you would. And I know for some that's going to sound very terrible, but you have, you need to bring your other selves. And if you think that you're just, um, 
showing up as your spiritual representative, whether you're Christian or Buddhist or whatever, whatever that, that, that is, that person is, they need to show up. Um, so for me, that's a disciple of Jesus Christ. So I invite her to the table. I also invite to the table, my, uh, my financial self. And I look in that moment and, and see if there's a pattern that is going with my stress or whatever I'm going through at that moment. How am I spending? So I need to identify if I'm having stress that's associated with, you know, how I feel financially for, about my future or whatever. Um, or even the moment that I'm in or where I have been. So I invite my emotional self. Am I going through something right now that's got me struggling emotionally? Um, February 17th ironically happens to be the birthday of my mom's sister, uh, with whom I have I was very, very close, very close to her. And um I had to deal with the trauma of how we lost her. Um, I was, it was the summer before I would go to high school. I was 13 and a half years old and I really had a lot of expectation that she was going to um, experience me going to high school. And so I had a little bit of trauma that was related to that. Um, I also lost a great friend. Um, so I had a lot of losses that came um, during that time. I had a good friend who passed away as well around the same time that my aunt passed away, maybe a year apart. And so um, these folks were pretty much a part of my everyday life. Those things were too undealt with. So um, I would think about her and, you know, for her birthday, I would always try to remember and always try to just think of great things. This year we were uh, in a pandemic and we were also in a snowstorm and everything surrounding that was very different. So I had to look at it and see how how am I emotionally? I'd been in the house for several days. I'd had a surgery. Um, and so, you know, was already um, going through a lot, I think, with pandemic. Um, life had changed a lot. You know, social distancing, distancing. Um, wearing a mask, having to quarantine prior to surgery and um, having had surgery and trying to continue with pastoring, continue with building a thriving coaching, counseling and consulting business uh, with integrity and just so many things, right? Finishing up a book, making sure that the Editing was going to be everything that it needed it to be. Um, just so many things, so many irons in the fire. So had a lot to sort out, right? So 
we talked about this and we were talking about how we're not just going to have panic attacks, but we are going to attack panic. So what does that look like when you're attacking panic? We talked about sorting things out, right? We've talked about understanding how to do the research of our own selves, not just looking outward, but taking that inward perspective and understanding that you have something to offer to yourself in your healing process. I'm going to say that one more time because that is so important to me and I'm sure that it will be equally important to you. You have value in your healing process. For those who have been abused in some type of way, let me encourage you that you still have value. And I think what abuse does and it it, it robs it, it 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 at least tries to rob the individual who has been abused of their self value. And there is a value that you still have. If nothing more, you are still here. And your future is so salvageable. And you can recover. It is the mental portion. And that's why I have to give an invitation to my mental self to show up at the table the one who has conversations with herself, the one who wakes up in the morning, what is her mantra? What is she speaking to herself? What does does she articulate to herself? What is it that she is even interpreting? So I want to give you two things to look at, your articulation and your interpretation. Interpretation is what I perceive others to be saying to me what I perceive the situation to be doing in my life, how things are happening to me. Articulation is what I tell myself and what I articulate to others about what's happening to me or what I want to happen to me or what I want to um, say about what I interpret it. So we want to look at articulation and we want to look at interpretation and make sure that we are understanding how valuable these two processes are to our healing. When we talk about our whole self showing up, we want to make sure that we don't let one dominate. I think as a disciple of Jesus Christ, um, I can't just show up with scripture. I said it. I can't just show up with, you know, scripture that says, and hear me out on this, that I am the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. But then my emotional self doesn't show up and my emotional self is shattered. My mental self is not invited and my mental self has a different conversation going on. And my mental self is just like, yeah, I know that I'm the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. And, but my emotional my mental and my financial self are not, they have to be players in that. They have to understand that. So since you are the head and not the tail, you're above only and not beneath, you've got to get up today. You've got to push forward and you've got to make wise decisions. You know, um, I can't just quote a scripture and not bring my entire 
my entirety or my entire self into that space. So how do I pull myself into agreement with myself? And that is the thing where it comes to conflict. A lot of us have a lot of conflict that is associated with panic attacks. But if we're going to attack panic, we must then be willing, my dear friends, we must be willing to agree with ourselves. Now, what does that mean when I say agree with ourselves? That means given that invitation to, 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 to myself, if you would, so that we all show up to make Beryl a better person, that she can be whole, right? Rather than fragmented. So the enemy wants us, the enemy of our minds wants us to be fragmented. The enemy of my mind wants me to have a daily mantra that I'm going to be rich. But then financially, I'm spending like crazy. So I have to bring all of me into agreement to understand that if I'm going to build wealth, there are some habits financially that I must be willing to harness in order that that is going to work the way that it needs to. I've got to have a healthy emotional intelligence about money, about um, different things. How do I relate to money if if I'm having an emotional breakdown? Am I an overspender? Am I a person who's stingy? I need to understand where my level of generosity lies. My level of um, saving, those types of things. I need to look at those things and evaluate them so that I am now whole. If I'm going to attack panic, I have to look at yesterday, today, and what I want for the future. Why? Because yesterday, as I used the example earlier about how daddy... um was awakened in the middle of the night only to find that mommy wasn't there, right? And so that bothered him. It's uh, wee hours of the morning. I'm asleep and probably well into a second cycle or so of sleep apparently. And I am abruptly waking out of my sleep to this conversation. And now it doesn't matter what time of day that I am sleeping if someone is talking loud, I will be awakened by that. And it's a panic attack for me. Or sometimes it starts to be, and I have to calm myself and say, remember, remember what happened. Remember what happened. You have conquered that. You have conquered that. This is something that's from your past, but your past will not hinder you in your present. You're living in your present. And remember that the present is a present. Because you don't have to be here. And since you are, it is a present. Calm. It's okay. Breathe. And you have time to take for yourself right now. You don't have to move from where you are. Take the time to heal right now in this moment. Because your next moment, which is your future, is going to be, is going to be affected by how you are doing right now. So in this moment, it's okay. Take this time that has been given to you, and it's called the present, to be able to relax. Here's the other thing. Not to attack the person who is speaking loudly and say, hey, you woke me up. Do you have to be so loud? 
What's wrong with you? Not to attack that person because that person may be jovial in the moment. So I had taken a nap a couple years later. And to your surprise, I knew you were going to figure this out. My mother was having a wonderful conversation with one of her sisters, right? And they were on the phone and they were having fly girl conversation and laughing. And when the girls get together talking about my mom and her sisters, they tend to be pretty loud. Like um, they talk at a high octave to one another. And it's like so funny because it's like, chicks y'all are sitting right there and even on the phone they're that way and so their voices elevate and it's you know um it can be irritating to me even if I'm aware you know awake but I understand that it's not sinful for them to do or it's not wrong it's just my own preference so I've been able to harness that right well um a couple of years ago, taking a nap, awakened by my mom, who's talking loudly and laughing and having a great time. And I wake up in that moment and I'm, my heart is racing and I am like really tripping out, right? One mind says, yell in there and tell her to be quiet. So what do I do? I yell in there and say, hey, can you keep it down? And so, of course, she's like, what? What is wrong with you? And I, in the moment, am like, you can't see what's wrong? Because I'd allowed my past experience to dictate my present. And I did not have, as a child, I did not have the ability to yell at my father years ago and say, Hey, do you realize other people are asleep in this house and that you just need to shut up? I didn't have that, right? Because I was a kid, right? So I decided as an adult, I was going to tell my mom, keep it down. People are taking a nap in here. (laughs) Just wasn't right to do. Relationships. This is the way that we attack panic rather than having panic attacks. We don't allow panic to determine our relationships and how our relationships are going to function. So I have made another decision that in the moment I'm going to think before I react. I'm going to think before I react. That moment was not nice. And just because something had happened to me in my past, my mother was not relating her laughter and how jovial she was with her sister on the phone with my behavior at that point. And of course, that behavior needed to be reckoned with and I needed to fix that issue. How often do we feel like we are right because we have not attacked panic but we've allowed panic to attack us. So looking at the past, the present, and the future. So I told you what happened in my past. I told you what that present situation was like. Let me tell you about what my future is. My future now that I am more self-aware and I'm not afraid to sit in what happened or why it happened or 
whatever, I am more cognizant of that behavior. And so now forward, I am more, oh, I am open to when people don't do the thing that I need them to do for me. As far as tiptoeing and being quiet or not um, opening a door when I'm asleep or turning on a light or saying something that they shouldn't say while I'm asleep. You know, have you ever lived with someone that you felt like, oh, don't do that, or everybody had to whisper about them because, you know, I don't know what sets him or her off, right? And usually it's some past trauma. It's, it's, it's a lot of times it's related back to some past trauma that watch this because nobody would have ever thought that that one moment would have caused me trauma. But I've noticed throughout the years in relationships that I've had that if a person raised their voice at me, especially a male, I was not having it. I'm out. I'm shut down. It's not going to happen to me. I also noticed some traits in my siblings that were similar to my traits. And those things have assisted me with identifying other traumas or triggers, I should say. Not so much trauma, but triggers for me. Not necessarily um, trauma or trigger for them, but these behaviors that we have. And many of those stemmed from a parent who had suffered something and they taught that trigger to us as something that was a norm. So it wasn't my trauma. It was my parents' trauma, but they taught me the trigger in an effort sometimes to protect me from their trauma or from enduring the same trauma, I should say, that they may have gone through. So, These are the ways that we sort and we're looking at how we can be better. So you've heard it said generational curses. So this is kind of where we can start dismantling some generational curses. But finally, for this episode, I want to talk about fear. You know, um, there's a common thread of Conversation that says that fear is false evidence appearing real. Not necessarily so. I wouldn't be so comprehensive there. Yes, there are times, lest I contradict what I've said earlier about thoughts that can kind of get racy in our heads, but all fear is not false evidence appearing real. Some fear is very real. And, um, well, the evidence that's associated, I should say, all fear is real, uh, but it's not based on, it's, it's not always based on a false evidence. And if we go with this narrative of the false evidence all the time, then there may be some things that need addressed that are not going to be addressed. We need to understand when that fear is based on a false something, a false piece of evidence, And when it is something that is very real for which we need the power to be able to change through our decision making or through um, the ability to walk away from it or 
to challenge it or to whatever the action plan needs to be regarding that very real thing. Just as much as we need an action plan for that which is not real, we need an action plan for those things that are real. We need the courage. We need to start incorporating things like courage into our healing process. And all too often, I think that things like healing or uh, or courage, I should say, are left out of the healing process. And they very much so need to be a part of how we approach our healing. Being able to take courage, being empowered, being empowered that we can attack panic and that it's not just a one-way street where panic is attacking us and we just wait until the battle is over and we pray for a good day. But yet we are living these lives where we never know where this attack is going to come out of nowhere again. But being able to live your life knowing that you don't have to settle into um, fear You don't have to settle into what's dealt to you. Your past does not have to determine your future in in a negative way, but you can take control of it all and be in your present and be present for the moments that are here now without worrying about what happened and worrying about what will happen. But being in the moment, being confident and knowing that I'm okay. I'll leave you with this. Um, a few weeks ago, maybe, um, I started to have like symptoms of another panic attack. Right. And, um, I knew what was bringing it on a lot of stress. Right. Um, my ears started to ring and I started to get the physical feelings that are associated with those panic attacks. I know what they are. So I was like, oh, and this is what I said. I said, oh, this is a panic attack. And it went away. <laughs> I'd never done that before, but I've learned how to do Oh, this is a panic attack. I see. So I'm being attacked by panic. Okay, go sit down, panic. And it's, I'm not saying that it's going to be that easy for everybody. And I'm not saying the next time that, you know, panic tries to come upon me, that it'll be that easy. But in that moment, I was so confident that, you know what, I've got the courage that you're not going to come against me. I know what you look like. You can't kill me. Okay. Cause you don't have that power to kill me panic attack. Okay. And I do understand I am stressed out and I, I'm, I'm handling that and, um, I'm going to rest and I'm not going to stay up all night with this. This is not how this is going to go down today. I took courage in that moment and I was like, whatever. My heart rate, if it goes up, it'll come down. I'm not having a heart attack. I am not going to have a stroke. I am not going to be in all these places dealing with all these lies. And I'm not going to act like I don't have stress, false evidence appearing real or psyching myself out. I'm not going to psych myself out. I know what I have to do and I will speak to that. And guess what? I will not speak to it right now. I will rest right now. I will speak to it tomorrow. If tomorrow doesn't come, glad I rested tonight. Didn't need to speak to it for tomorrow. Huh. So you pretty much um, dismantle the enemy in that regard. You pretty much, um, you you take the weapon from your enemy and your enemy is not able to 
come against you. Why? Because you've spoken your truth, which is I am stressed and I'm okay understanding that I am stressed. So now I can develop an action plan because I have identified what this panic panic attack is about. I am being attacked right now. That too is going to help you identifying what's happening in the moment, making a decision. Don't ever forget that your decision is just as part, it's, it's a part of your, it's a major part of your power, your power pack, I call it. So I, I'm deciding that I am going to rest tonight. I am not going to pick up a computer to satisfy. Mm-hmm. 